0: Hey, if you've never been to our church, maybe you've never been to church in general and you found yourself here tonight, welcome, Hey, this could be home for you. If you're in the room, you're family. That's kind of our motto. Uh, we do like to welcome our guests every single week. It never gets old, and y'all got microphones for this. We're, we say every single week, we're here to build you up, not beat you, you up. up. Yeah, we love you. We back you here, here for you. Hey, so tonight we're continuing our series entitled, PSI love fill in the blank. Why the blank? You guys aren't getting sick of hearing it. Because it's true, because we are confused. We are confused. That's why the blank. We don't even, we're, we're letting basically the, the flu control our entire world right now. How, do we, how are we going to then say we know what love is? We know, man, go and look at the world in terms of love and relationship and marriage. Go watch week one of our podcasts um, in this series and hear the statistics that I shared on marriage and and divorce rates and domestic violence rates and all of this stuff. Man, the statistics are crazy, and it shows this. We are confused. And so in this series, our hope is to tackle the things that we typically fill in the blank with. We love, man, we might love a lot of things, but do we actually love that person? Well, do we even know what love is? And so that's what this series has been all about. About and so I've been loving this series. I want to, for a really quick second, um, I want to take this opportunity to talk about the next two weeks and just tell you, man, if if uh, the zombie apocalypse happens, you don't want to let it keep you from church. Okay, maybe the zombie apocalypse. All right, the zombie apocalypse happens. Like, meet me at my house because trust. I'm ready, okay? Amber's going to die in five minutes. It's just, it is what it is. I'm sorry. She's not prepared. She's not ready. She's, she's way too nice. She's too soft. As soon as someone gets bit, she'll be like, no, they're going to be okay. I'm like, kill them now. <laughs> the morals go out the window when the zombies start walking, right? But no matter what happens, you don't want to miss next week. Look at your neighbor, say next week. Next week. Look at your other neighbor, say next week. Next week. You don't want to miss next week. Almost our entire pastoral staff is coming next week to do a panel night. And here's what we're going to do. Ladies, this is going to be your room. It's going to be ladies night in the youth room because we love you and we're gentlemen. So the guys are going to take a hike, not literally, just over to the chapel right over there. And what we're going to do next week is we're going to have all the ladies in this room and, and our, our lady pastors and um, some of our pastors' wives are going to be in here with you ladies and talk about all of these topics um, that we've been talking about from a female's perspective. The guys are going to be over there with the guys. We're going to have some guy talk. We're going to have, we're actually going to set up an indoor um, um, axe throwing um, target thing over in the chapel. Don't clap, I'm I'm capping, that's not true. (laughs) I just tried to think of the most manly thing I could think of, I'm sorry, I got you excited. I thought of the most manly thing I could think of and it was either that or like, eating a raw steak, because um, in my mind, this is what men do while I'm straightening my hair at 16 years old, um, but um, guys will be chatting with the guys, ladies and the ladies, and then here's the really cool thing, our guys panel is going to come over here. I'm going to chat with you ladies. The ladies panel is going to go over there and chat with you guys just to give a little bit different of a perspective. Um, guys kind of have some big brothers, some father figures. Ladies have some big sisters and, and some mother figures to you. And so I promise you next week is going to be super, super cool. I'm going to go ahead and just take this opportunity to announce who it is that's going to be here on March 25th, because why not? I'm the youth pastor, I'm the one who makes these decisions. Uh, last week, if you remember, I told you, we are bringing in a very special guest speaker to come and to close out this series for us. I, I did say this, it's gonna, he's gonna have to take a couple airplanes to get to us, because the one and only, all the way from Manchester, England, Paul Reed is gonna be with us. You don't want to miss that. If you if you don't know why people are cheering, you need to be here week after next and realize Paul Reed is coming all the way from Manchester, England. Even if you don't like what he says, you're gonna love how he says it because his accent is his accent is beautiful. So Paul Reed's gonna be with us that night. A bunch of our friends are gonna be coming and visiting us and everything. So don't miss that night, week after next. Next two weeks. Everyone say two? Two? Next two weeks, man. You don't want to miss it as we close out this series. is going to be phenomenal. But tonight what we're going to do, instead of a message, instead of preaching, um, we're going to do what we call Q&R. If you were here two weeks ago or this last Sunday you were a part of our Q&R sessions, and you might have been a part of some Q&A sessions, we call it Q&R because we might not have an answer, but we will have a response for you. And so um, here's the thing. We tackled a handful of tough questions a couple weeks ago this last Sunday. We have a couple tough questions tonight. But here's the thing. Here at Bridge Youth, as your pastors, uh, we don't want to be answering questions that nobody's asking. You know, like we're we're over here talking about like... well, in the end days, the antichrist is gonna come. It's just like, and you're like, uh, I got a D minus on my math test. Can we like talk about something applicable, please? And I'll just be like, Well, that's because your math teacher is the antichrist. That's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> I was just kidding. If somebody in here is like, one day I want to be a math teacher, I'm sorry, uh, don't do it. You're doing the devil's work. If so, anyhow, uh, here's the thing: we don't want to answer questions nobody's asking. And we don't want to shy away from some questions just because they're difficult topics or just because they're controversial topics. Get this. Jesus was the most controversial person who's ever walked on this earth. That's a huge reason why you and I and everybody on planet earth still to this day knows his name because he, he was so controversial and he was willing to talk about those topics. And so are we. Here's the thing. The questions you have, God's not intimidated by them. And so if God's not intimidated by them, we're not going to be intimidated by them either. Because guess what? We might be confused, but God is not confused. Somebody say amen. amen. I like having you sit next to me. Kai, you need to just sit up here while I preach from now on. Hey, let's go. And guess what? God's word is not confused either. So we're going to dive into some questions tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun. But hey, first, would you pray with me? God, you're good. We love you. God, we do pause and we joke and we mess around and everything, but God, right now we just pause and we, uh, we pray for, for our city, for our valley, for our state, for our country, and for our world being um, uh, affected by this coronavirus thing. God, I pray in Jesus' name um, that you would just cancel that thing quickly. God, that they're the medical professionals um, who are doing research and coming up with... Um, with vaccinations and antiviruses and everything, God, that you would guide their hands and their minds, help them to get a solution very, very quickly, God. I pray that tonight as we begin to dive into some uh, questions, some conversations, that you'd be in the midst of every single one of our responses. Jesus, you said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So tonight we pray that truth would prevail over every single one of these questions, God. I do pray also in Jesus' name that the NBA would figure this out quick because the Lakers are going to win the championship. So God help them figure it out ASAP in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. 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 All right, what is going on, guys? Today is going to be a great night. My name is Kai. What's up? Hey. And I have the privilege of hosting this Q and R session. And just if you know, just so you know. We want to take live questions, so if something pops up in your head, head over to our Bridge Youth Instagram, at BridgeYTH underscore, right? Yeah. yeah. I say it every week and I forget now. Okay. At BridgeYTH, and we will get to your question, all right? Stories. And story. They're in, the They're in the stories. They're in the stories. So just hop on our Instagram. They will be there. It will be awesome. We'll answer your questions if you have anything. All right. Who here plays sports or who here like lifts weights or likes to move around? Hoopers come to the basketball tournament, and catch just smoke. All right, who here is still young enough so you don't have to warm up? Who still has to warm up? Everybody should. Ah, we got some younglings here. All right, well, just like a great segue into what I'm about to talk about, we have some warm-up questions for Pastor Corey and Pastor Amber. Are you guys ready? We're going to have a good time tonight. We good? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> All right, first question. When can we expect baby white?
2: Wow, good question.
1: About eight and a half months.
2: Stop, he's lying. <laughs> he's playing games.
0: Are you married?
2: We uh, are married.
0: Over 10 years. When can you expect baby white? Okay, uh, who, who wants us to have a kid within the next year? <laughs> I want to be Who's uncle. like? Who's like, no, don't have a kid because you won't be able to hang out with us as much. Who doesn't care? That's what's up, okay. All of you who don't care, I'm somewhere like on your boat. Like, eh, whenever the Lord provides, I guess. I don't know. It'll come. It'll, it'll happen. And when it does, uh, uh, it'll be great. You know what though? We, one of the things is, is that we, we really have a heart for uh, the foster, uh, foster care. And for adoption. So we know that we're going to foster and adopt. We just don't know if we are only going to foster and adopt, if we're going to foster and adopt and have biological kids. If we're going to do that, are we going to have biological kids first and then foster and adopt? Are we going to foster and adopt first and then have biological
1: kids later? So you're going to have little kais running around your house? Yeah.
2: <laughs> we're in the process
1: How cute would uh, it be, though? How cute would it be if we adopted a little A little kai?
0: He's <laughs> so cute, man. Am, I'm telling you I'm not no joke I want to no joke so I don't know we'll see
2: well it'll come when it comes and it'll be good when. It whenever comes. the
1: Lord whenever the Lord wants oh come on that's good that's real good <laughs> whenever the Lord man, desires all right next question this is for both of y'all Corey what is something most people don't know about Amber Ooh
0: was something most
1: people Amber's giving I'll the you, same Okay, time. I'll give you two really really
0: quick things number one <laughs> something most people don't know about Amber is I have been married to Amber for almost 11 years we've been together yeah. for almost 14 years and that's not the good part you can clap in a second in those years I have never once heard her fart yo I married a lady I married a lady. The second thing most people don't know um, that I know is that Amber actually has a freckle on her, I think, right eye, left eye? Left eye. On her left. I'm going to remember that now because of TLC, left eye. She has a freckle left. on her left eye. Now you're going to have a really awkward post-service because everybody
2: going to. Don't come up remember. to me after. I'm just kidding. It's fine. I'll show you.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, Too Amber. What is something right. that most people don't know about Corey?
2: Something that most people don't know about Corey well, there's a lot of things because knowing someone for, you know, over 14 years, you kind of know a lot. Um, everyone knows that. He is kind of loud. So, actually, he said a lot of his stuff. That's true.
0: Very <sighs> loud.
2: He is. Yeah. It's okay. I appreciate it. He makes life fun. Um, something that they don't know.
1: Does Corey fart?
2: Yes. It's annoying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> makes Makes him. It's <them>. so annoying.
0: <laughs> I have the little the lock. Here's something most people don't know. Uh, you know the little lock window thing that you have? I'll lock the windows in the car and fart. I'm that guy. Okay. <laughs> that guy. You know. Uh. That guy. <laughs> I'm that guy. You know. <laughs> you
1: know. Be that guy. That
2: guy. Uh I mean a lot of people know he was a rar kid, but I, he literally stole his mom's pants and Now sewed them everybody super
0: tight. knows he was a rar kid because <laughs> yeah. of Wait, he said your freaking YouTube mom's pants? channel. So
2: when we met, his mom would be like, Corey, stop stealing my pants because he would steal her pants and sew them tighter.
0: <laughs> you know that you know that monkey meme that's like
2: That one's rough. That's me right now. He legit did sus. that and his mom's like Stop stealing my pants Look but Forever the 21
0: style. and H&M didn't exist, so like
2: that was the skinny jeans style. were
0: not a thing. You had to basically wear girl deal. pants have skinny you're jeans. you're laughing
2: at him, but Judge I'm me. the one that pursued him and dated him. So. Facts. And I loved it. Facts. I, it was it was great. We that were no, hair
0: got me this girl. No regrets. It was no regrets. It was fun. I have a heart murmur. Most people don't know that.
2: Yes, that's true. Yeah, I have a heart yeah, that's murmur. True.
0: So Your my whispers. Uh, one of my valves in my heart doesn't open every third repetition, so my heart goes. <laughs> it's pretty tight, huh? <laughs> my whole life's got rhythm. So, Are you good? You need to go to the
1: hospital? or something?
0: I don't know. They said I'd grow out of it, but I still got it, apparently. I got a, I got a root canal on Monday. He
1: Most did. people don't know
0: that. He
2: did get How'd that root feel? Canal Monday.
0: Bro, people make it out to be, like, the worst thing that's ever going to happen to you. Legit, I almost fell asleep. Like, I'm not trying to sound tough, but I almost fell asleep, straight up. Yeah, I took ibuprofen, like, that night, and I haven't taken any ibuprofen since. It's not that bad. So if you're going in for a root canal one day, and you're like, oh, my God, I think I'm going to die, you'll be fine. It's
1: whatever. Our pastor's tough. All right, next question. So manly. All right, <laughs> I'll, ask Corey, I'll ask Corey first, because i need going to get a little time to to gather yourself. Can you sing a 20-second song to describe Amber?
0: Oh, come on. 20-second song to describe Amber. Fly me to the moon, and i That's all I know of that song. That's a great song. You guys are feeling it. OK, I'll give you this. Uh, uh, let's see. Amber is... <laughs> <fast. laughs> um, why you got to do this to me? I got my eyes on you. You're everything that I see. I want your high love, and emotion Gosh. endlessly. Right. I can't get over you. Ooh. You left your mark on me. I want your high love, emotion endlessly. Because you're a good girl and you know it. Oh, yeah. Those are the real fans, all right? <laughs> Those are the real fans. There you go. That's what you get. That
1: was amazing.
2: I have a song, and most people (laughs) in this room know it. Not ooh wah ah, whatever that stupid song is. Ooh. (laughs) Um, when I met Corey, he had the Little Mermaid soundtrack on CD.
0: Facts, straight up. It was a choral front. So. So good.
2: I have to remember. Which one are you going?
0: (laughs) So many good songs on that album. Um, that's one of those albums you can play beginning to end. You know, it's just all good. Yeah. let start. Uh, I don't know look, where that one. Yeah, yeah. You're the one that's supposed to be singing.
2: I know, I know, and I'm trying to remember the lyrics now. You're putting the pressure on me. I'm I not gonna I, I don't know where.
0: Look at the camera. I don't know how, how but oh I know something's starting right now. Thank you. I'm a huge Little Amber, Mermaid fan. you. Fam. Need to sing. I want to hear you, <laughs> Amber, sing.
1: Someday. No. Do we want to hear Amber sing? Do we want to hear Amber sing? Oh, yeah. Give the crowd what they yeah, what want, about, Amber. Um, hmm. They paid good money to be I here. Oh, show you come the
2: on.
0: Shining Don't Shining make me
1: do it. Day and night. <laughs> <laughs> All right, five seconds. I chimed in. <laughs> five seconds, Amber. Five seconds, uh, song to Corey.
2: Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Look at this stuff. Isn't Is that- it neat? Wouldn't you think my collection's complete? Wouldn't you think? think girl, I don't remember that lyric. The girl who has everything. Thank you. Look at these jokes. Eric, keep going. And I'm told How many And wonders, wonders can one cavern hold? Na na, na, na na Sure. sure. She's got She's everything. She's got everything. All right,
1: right that's five seconds. You go. <laughs> right. i
2: got who's it's <laughs> and what's it's galore. <laughs> you want thingamabobs?
1: How many does she have? You're a lame Real fans. Come on, let's go. All right, next question, Corey. How did you propose to Amber?
0: So you kind of saw it in the YouTube video. Um, went to my, our old youth room, which is where I asked her out. Um I kind of my youth pastor helped me like commandeer the youth room, moved all the chairs, did like string lighting in the room, and um, set up like one table in the middle with what at the time was our favorite meal, which is Wingstop. Come on, somebody. Wingstop. Praise the Lord. Speak the truth and shame the devil. Wingstop is delicious. Get their French fries and the uh, the cheese dipping sauce. It'll change your life. Um, so I had that. She's eating wings. <laughs> it's kind of funny because I'm like over here. Like I ended up like setting up my guitar and sang a bunch of songs that we grew up on. Not the song you heard in the YouTube video. Um, sang a bunch of those songs. And then... Uh, uh, while she's eating her wings, and then the last song, I wrote her, and the last lyric in the song was me walking over, getting on one knee, and saying, "Will you marry me?"
2: It was awesome. Yeah.
1: Did Amber have to finish her wing before she said yes?
2: I couldn't eat.
1: Yeah, she wasn't even. Eating.
2: I not I didn't eat. I walked I over, said, "Will you marry boxed me?" It up. Are you
1: gonna finish those?
2: <laughs> we boxed it up. I was bawling.
0: No pictures. No video. The only existence is the memory that we have of that moment, which is kind of cool, I think.
2: Yeah, it is cool.
1: Touches my heart. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Next question before we get into the five questions in five minutes. Okay. What was the hardest thing to adjust to when you moved in with each other?
0: Uh, The fact that she wants the house, like, negative 50 degrees. (laughs) <laughs> like, she wants the house freezing cold all the time, like a friggin' refrigerator. But then she does the, she gets the house freezing and then gets under, like, 47 blankets. And I'm like, what's the point of that? Like, have the house at a decent temperature and use one it's blanket. It's comfortable. For me, that was yeah. that was the big thing.
2: Well, the funny thing is, is for me, uh, the... The hard thing was I had to have an extra blanket on the left side of me. Corey sleeps on the right.
0: I'd be stealing the blankets Because he
2: steals the blanket. Be stealing the blankets, And it just is what it is. So I have an extra blanket because I, although I do run hot, so it doesn't bother me a ton. But sometimes you do I'm run like, hot. you just, want, <laughs> you just want a blanket to like snuggle with. Yeah, and it's be that usually guy. gone. So I have like side blankets on the left side of me just ready to go. That's a, that was hard.
1: I can attest to this I went to Idaho with Corey over winter break and I woke up and I was on the ground but no blanket he pushed me off, no, and <laughs> off the you were not on the ground <laughs> my socks were off second right. off
0: <laughs> they gave Kai his entire own little condo thing and he still wanted to stay in my room with me nah nah that's not true we want to stay in the room together because God will strike it is lightning f- on you dude it is freaky out there yeah. and there's a bunch of crazy white people so we wanted to stay together you know what I'm saying
1: brothers stick together All right. <laughs> Here we go. It's our favorite time. Five questions in five minutes. Both of y'all get tough. 30 seconds each question. 30 seconds, not 30 minutes. Yep. Not I'll remember. Anything else? Are we ready?
2: Yes. Who's
1: Are you first? sure? You timing us? I will time. Amber, you will go first.
2: Okay. Are you ready? Ready.
1: Set. How do you get over heartbreak?
2: Ooh. Psalm 34:18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. There's a closeness that God has with people who are brokenhearted. That's in scripture. Trust God. Surround yourself with healthy friends, family um, who will support you. Find something productive to do with your time. And uh, just remember that God's close to you.
0: That's good, that's good. Boom, 22.95 now.
1: seconds. Let's go, hey. I'll take
0: her extra eight seconds.
1: Amber runs a 4 3 40 yard dash, too. All right, come on now. All right. are you ready? Yep. Are you sure? I think so. Go. Cool.
0: Who's ever had their heart broken? First off, come on now, don't lie in church. Okay, here's what you do. First, you forgive, forgive, you forgive them, you move forward, you look forward, and then realize that you're not perfect. Just because you had your heart broken doesn't mean that there's some, not some fault with you either. Last thing I'll say is don't become Satan's mouthpiece. Don't be causing drama. Just let it go and move on. God's got better things for you. That's
2: right.
1: 49 seconds. Oh, sheesh. I
0: did so good on, on Sunday.
1: Okay. Oh, wait. I, I did that wrong. You, you kept going. Added. Okay. Oh, yeah, like 49 seconds like in total. So for we had like 11 seconds to spare. For both of spare. us. So
0: we have 11 seconds to spare. Let's go. On that. We need to make up a handshake because
1: we don't have our own handshake. We do. Married couples don't have their own handshakes. We do. Have Are you handshake. okay? We need some counseling. All right. Number two, how do you handle your individual differences in your relationships slash marriage? Amber, go.
2: Anyone know what an enforcer is for hockey? It's yeah. someone that you send in, and you, they basically enforce what's going to happen. They kind of beat up the on ones people. Who Anyways, fight. you are not the enforcer in your relationship. That's you good. trust God. You pray to God that He would pull. You know, you need to give in relationships people freedom to grow. Yeah. No one's perfect, right. so don't be the enforcer, um, and be open to perspective. Anyways,
1: 25 seconds. I knew I was solid, close. Amber. That's why
2: I slowed down. Oh. I knew I was close. Okay.
1: All
0: right. Same question. Listo. Okay. How do how do you handle individual differences in your relationship or marriage? Okay. Go. Amber submits. Next question.
1: Stop. Three seconds. <laughs> That's good.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, restart. <laughs> <right>. um, Go. <laughs> I'm the boss of my home. When Amber's not home. <laughs> uh, before uh, before marriage, opposites attract. After marriage, opposites attack. Right. But here's the thing: the things that like years and years down the line might like become aggravating oftentimes those are the things that made you fall in love with this person so i'm reminded of like hey i love these little quirks about amber and i remind myself of this if amber was exactly like me my life would be terrible right terrible so yeah.
1: we have four let's seconds to spare under go. it man that's two in a row nice. two, in a row, two baby. in a row let's go nice. all right next question what should i do while i am single amber Straight. go
2: you are not waiting, you are living. Ooh. God has things for you to experience and do, so don't wait until you meet someone to, like, truly live. Because God has stuff for you right now, right now, right now, not just when you're in a relationship. Stop Let's living go. that way.
1: So good. Come on. 16 seconds of fury. That was Let's good, Amber. Let's go. go. Cora, are you ready? Really quick, before you start my time, how many single people we got in the place? Woo-hoo.
0: Look around, take a quick glance. That's what's up. How many people currently in a relationship in the place? That's what's up. How many married people we got in the place? Hey! Married life's the best life, baby. Okay, Uh, what should I do while I'm single is the question. Yeah? Yes. Okay, let's go. Uh, Four things, write these down if you're taking notes. Four things that you should do when you're single. You should learn, serve, Grow, enjoy. Learn, learn what? Learn as much about God as you possibly can. Dive into his word, dive into community. Serve, serve where? Serve here at Bridge Youth. Serve in the house of God. Serve here at the Bridge Church. Man, serve, serve, serve. Grow, take the time to not sit here and be looking forward and daydreaming for the day that I'll be in a relationship. No, grow in your relationship with God. Grow as a person. Last, enjoy, enjoy being single. It's a great season of life. That's really a pretty short season
1: in life. So yeah. 50 seconds, 10 seconds to spare. That is three for three. Three for three, baby. Let's go. Two more. Let's get it. All right. Number four, Amber, what has been the biggest challenge slash struggle in your relationship slash marriage?
2: Communication, learning how to understand one another, um, really unlearning selfishness because we grow up being very selfish and in marriage that has to cut real quick, learning how to serve better. Um... And learning how to be a team. Those are some of the areas that have been a struggle for us, I think. So yeah. That's
1: good. Eighteen seconds, Amber. All right. Let's go. I'm keeping up. Corey. Yep. What's the biggest uh, challenge
0: struggle in relationship and marriage? Uh she said communication. I said communication is the first thing. Communication is pretty much the number one struggle most people are going to have in their marriage. So learn to communicate early, often, all of that. The next thing I'll say is um, one of the biggest struggles that we've had is that we both came from a broken home. Mm-hmm. We both come from homes where our parents were divorced, our parents were never married. And so kind of some residual damage that that has caused in our lives, we had to work out. I can tell you this. If we can do it and we've made it and we're still happy and loving yeah. and living life, you guys can do it too. That's right. so, yeah. Hey, it ran in the family till it ran into me. Yup. No divorce for my, for me and my kids will never know what it's like to not have their father around, and my kids will be here in about eight months. So
2: stop.
0: (laughs) 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 Woo.
1: Give the people what they want, you know. No. All right, that was 49 seconds. Let's go. Still under. Last one. Let's see if we can get all five. Amber, what is your favorite thing about Corey, and what's your favorite thing about marriage? Go.
2: Favorite thing about Corey, he's genuine, and he's a lot of fun. And my favorite thing about marriage is just doing life with your best friend. It's, like, the coolest thing. Like, knowing you have someone that has your back all the time. Um, it, it's the best feeling. So, very thankful.
1: One minute. I'm kidding. That was 18 it's seconds.
2: Like, <laughs> oh, that was nothing.
1: All right, Corey, what is your favorite thing about Amber, and what's your favorite thing about marriage? My
0: favorite thing about Amber, ooh, the list goes on and on. Um, But uh, I think my favorite thing about Amber is um, how incredibly caring um, she is. She is so caring that uh, you know, like of me specifically, she's ridiculously caring. She takes care of me like so, so well. My life, when I joke around about like my life would be a wreck without Amber, like legit, my life would be a wreck without Amber. Like I don't know how to send a letter uh in the mail um i keep telling her i have to die first but how caring she is to the point where like if we're having like a get together at our house she wants to make sure every single person in the room is having a good time and if there's anybody in the room not having a good time who's not comfortable she is so caring that she can't be comfortable she has to make sure they're having a good time my favorite thing about being married is you never have to do anything alone it's so cool as as menial as this is is even being like hey what do you think about last night? I was putting together my clothes. I always put. My, who are the people who put together your clothes at, at uh, night? The night before, that's me. I went through like four outfits last night, babe. What do you? How does this look? Does this go with this? Like, I just love always having somewhere, someone to do life with. Never have to be alone. I know that was uh, way more, but that's, I mean, I could talk about my wife all night. I could. I could say the next 24 minutes on this question. Okay. I'm kind of insulted that she only took 18 seconds to talk about me.
2: Hey. But,
0: no, it's fine. You're the best. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> Do I need to call the pastors here? <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Gary. Pastor We're going to need some marriage counseling. We're actually going to a marriage conference this Saturday. We are. Yeah. Be sweet. Miss Annabelle's going, too. That's why she said, "Woo!" Yeah. The Padillas are going, too, aren't you guys? Yep. And the, the whole squad's going. Let's go. The squad's mobbing out. Any other married couples in the room want to go, hit us
1: up. Let us know. Let's All right. Can it. we give it up for Pastor Corey and Pastor Amber five for the five questions in five minutes. questions in five minutes? That's tough, you guys. That's hard. Now we're gonna move into our pre-submitted questions, questions that y'all have asked, and we are going to give a response to. Our first pre-submitted question is: What qualities should I look for in for? In? Dang it, Corey! English,
0: please. Come on. What qualities should <laughs> what I? What
1: qualities look? should I look for in someone if I'm ready to date and of age?
0: Yeah. Who's going first?
1: Want to rock paper scissors? Oh,
0: you want. You. So supposed you get to say shoot, shoot I'll go first? Go first. Okay, rock first off, no. That's another reason I love my wife cuz she goes rock paper scissors. She yep. doesn't mess with shoot. No. Nope. You mess with shoot, you're there's something wrong <laughs> with you.
2: I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, what qualities should I look for in someone I'm re- uh, if I am ready to date and of age? So, what does their faith look like? That's the first question you should be asking. Um are they in the house of God? Are they serving in the house of God? You okay. should look for these things. Um and the biggest thing is do they encourage you to pursue God or do they distract you from pursuing God? Uh, yeah. If they're distracting you, you should be just turning turning your um your eyes to another place because God has somebody that is, you know, pursuing God right next to you. And so um and and I tell this to girls all the time when we do breakouts and stuff. Um how does he treat his mom? Yeah. My how does he treat his mom? Because practically, Taking my answers. practically, that's going to show a handful of things. Yep. So, um, spiritually, does he encourage you or um, or do they encourage you to pursue God or distract you from it? But in a practical sense, like how do they treat their family? How do they treat their inner circle? Because really, that's how they're going to treat you. Yep. So, if you're thinking now about how do I treat my family? Maybe change that up a little. Because we should be, you know, God created us and we are God's creation. And really the way we treat people is how we really think of our creator. Because if we treat them terrible, maybe we don't think so much about God. And so anyways, that's going into probably a whole nother question. But um, really, I think the biggest thing is do they encourage you or discourage you in your faith? Um, They should encourage you. Sounds good.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, what qualities should I look for someone if I am ready to date? End of age. Uh, two scriptures. So write these down if you're a note taker. Um, one of them is our key scripture for this uh, series: First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 to 8. Here's what it says: It says, "Love is patient. Love is kind. Are they? Those are qualities right there. Are they patient? Are they kind?" Um, it goes on and says, it's not jealous. Are they a jealous person? It's not boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It, it's always hopeful, and it endures through every single circumstance. And so um, take that, look at that verse, and say, hey, do I see these things in this person? They're pa- are they patient and kind? <laughs> if you're like strike one and two already, then... You know, might want to start looking elsewhere. Here's another great great verse to go to, Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Write that down, Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. This piece of scripture is uh, becoming firmly known as the fruit of the Spirit. It gives us nine attributes um, of a person who's living by the Spirit of God, who's living for God. Their lives should produce this. Verse number uh, 22, Galatians chapter 5, the Holy Spirit produces these kinds of fruit. Here we go. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are perfect things to look for in someone who you may want to date. Um, Here's some practical things. I'm going to throw out a couple of questions really fast. So write down um, maybe a couple of them that stand out um, to you. Are they someone that you you could potentially see yourself marrying? If not, stop wasting your time. Stop wasting their time. Break up and break up soon because you're just wasting your time and their time. Do you love hanging out with them? Um, Do they bring you closer to God, not further away? Do they make sense for your life? Here's a big one. Do they have their life in order? If their life isn't in order, then, you know, your life will soon not be in order right along with them. Lastly, do they propel your life forward or do they pull it backwards? That's what I'd say.
1: That was good. Can we give it up for their answers? That was awesome. We're actually going to go into one of our live questions that one of y'all has submitted. It goes pretty well with this question. So, how do you know if you're ready for marriage? How do you know if you're ready for marriage? How do you know if you're ready for marriage?
0: Uh, Can you support her? Can you support her? Or do you you? still need your parents to help you support her? I mean, I know that that's practical and not the most spiritual answer, but if you can't support her, then... You know what? You got no business getting down on one knee and asking her to marry you if you can't support her. Um, so that would be one thing that i say. You, you maybe go, and I'll come back to another answer.
2: Okay. Um, marriage is a reflection of Christ and the church. Mm-hmm. Marriage is a – it's not just a paper. Yeah. It's a very holy thing. It's a covenant. Um, and you have to take that seriously. Because I think in our culture, people have not taken it seriously, and we see the effect of that. We see no fathers in homes. We see broken families. We see marriages ending way before they should. I'm a part of that. I understand it firsthand. Um, But it's because people don't take that seriously. It's a holy moment. It's a covenant. And it doesn't have to be (laughs) thousands of thousands of dollars. You just have to have your heart in the right place. Um, because it's a reflection of Christ in the church. Our marriages should reflect, not perfectly because we are human, but they should reflect Christ in the church. So if you're not ready to love your bride and die for her and put yourself in front of anything that would come before her. And if, if you're, yeah, it's, it's a heavy thing. And I think we don't take it seriously sometimes. Um, But I think when you're ready to take it seriously, this is a holy moment, this is a covenant, this is something that's forever, it's not just for now, um, then maybe you're ready, you know, along with a lot of practical things too, so.
0: Um, Marriage is the single greatest decision you'll ever make in your entire life, second only to whether or not you'll follow Jesus. Um, Your marriage will make or break your entire life. If anybody in the room feels called to ministry... The person you marry will make or break whether or not you are successful in ministry. So when you're asking yourself the question, am I ready for marriage? First off, if you're like the guy who's, I'm totally ready to get married. You're definitely not ready to get married. If you're not sitting there asking yourself, am I ready, man? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, can I really? Here's, Here's the thing. Here's the question you have to ask yourself. Are you ready to forever, for the rest of your life, Put this other person's needs, wants, and desires and dreams before yourself every single day for the rest of your life. No quitting, no turning back, and no giving up. Because the government hands out divorces left and right, like they're flying off the shelves, you know. But divorce is not an option in God's mind. There's only two ways that God gives you an out for For um, marriage, it's if your spouse dies or if there's adultery, if there's unfaithfulness within the marriage. I would then say that there is often some gray area there where we could talk about abusive relationships and you can discuss that. But outside of that, irreconcilable differences, a.k.a. you argue a lot and you fell out of love, that is not grounds for divorce. You cannot get it. The D word does not exist in our vocabulary. Are you ready to put young men? Are you ready to put this woman's needs before your own every single day for the rest of your life? No giving up, no looking back, no, no surrendering, no throwing in the towel, no ever again giving any other girl your attention in that way for the rest of your life. Are you ready for that? Then maybe you're ready for marriage. Most guys in the room like, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> you're right. You're not. And that's okay. Yeah. One day you will be. And you'll find the right girl who help will help, will help you get ready. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
2: And I'll finish it off with this. I know we have like we've made it very heavy, which it should be because it's a holy moment. It's a covenant. Um, but on a lighter note, Corey and I, we grew up together. We had to process a lot, but the difference in processing things and you know we did get married young and we had a lot to work through because of our broken homes that we came from. So there was a lot to work through. But put God first, and yeah. he will help you process. He will help you understand the reality of this holy moment. He will open up your eyes to things that you need to grow in. Um, so if you're not solid with God, you're for sure not ready. Yeah. So be solid with God. Not perfect, solid. Yeah. Okay. Whoever sent
1: that, that's a great question. Great yeah. question. Love it. Yeah. Yep. All right, next question. What is the first thing a godly guy notices about a girl and what a godly girl notices about a guy. Yeah, I'll go first on question. this one. Yeah. yeah. Earlobes. <laughs> okay, what's
0: the, what's the first thing a godly guy notices about a girl? If I say looks, it sounds shallow. If I don't say looks, I'm a liar. <laughs> Here's the reality. Like, what's the first thing that we see and encounter when it comes to anybody that you know? Is you see them first. Um and so, yeah, like, to a degree, looks is one of the first things that a guy is going to notice. So, ladies, take care of yourself. You know? Like, take care of yourself. Don't, you know, I don't know, like, you have a, I'm not saying, you know, have a, comfortable, have a comfortable Wednesday night. But your future husband might be in the room, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, take care of yourself. Present, But also present yourself in a modest way. Present yourself in a way that a godly person would and should present themselves. Because, ladies, write down this verse. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 3 and 4. 1 Peter 3, 3 to 4. Here's what it says. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles or the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. So did it say that those things are bad or wrong? No, it says that your true beauty shouldn't come from those things. Well, what should it come from? I'm glad you asked, verse four. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. So what I'm saying is, um, you know, what bait are you using? Because he might notice your looks first. And here's the thing about looks. Some, you know, there's, Certain people in the room was like, "But I'm not very good looking." Cut it out. That's a lie. you're God says that we are His masterpiece. And I'll tell you this: looks are something like music. Everyone's got their own taste. You You're gonna run in. You're gonna run into somebody at some point Give that's like. Give some confidence right now. That was well, dead. dang. Ooh, like uh, good looking right there. Like. You know, so don't sell yourself short and don't believe the lie that you're ugly. It's not true. Um, And everybody, you ever meet that couple who's like, you look at them and you're like, you're busted and you're busted. But dang, you guys love each other and look at each other like you are the hottest thing on planet Earth. Well then who cares what everybody else thinks? They think that they're the hottest thing on planet Earth? Dope, God bless you. And you like, you might be thinking, well, I'm not good looking. Well, stop measuring yourself by the world standards, yeah. first of all. And second of all, like show off your unfading beauty because guess what? Like, ladies, your body'll change after you have kids, all right? So if you caught him with your body and that's the bait that you're using, then that's the bait. Johnny's luckily still got his curly hair and he's been able to keep Sky with the curly hair. You know what I'm saying? But what if he goes bald? You know? <laughs> the, the bait you catch him with is the bait you'll have to keep him with. And so if you use your body as the way in which you, you know, attract guys, then I've said this a lot. Um, you'll turn his head, but you'll never turn his heart. And so just be careful now. Use your unfading beauty. Um, Another thing a guy notices, straight up, is she cool? Is she chill? Is she chill? I'll tell you this right now, ladies, ladies. Every guy wants to be best friends with his girl. He wants a girl that he can hang out with. You know a huge thing for guys, like, oh, my boys, like, you know how much it sucks when a guy's like, my boys hate my girl. They all just, like, that's, you, no, no, no. You want your boys to be like, yo, your girl's so chill. Your girl's awesome. Like, yeah, don't totally bring her. Like, definitely bring her. But, like, you, Chad, don't bring your girl. Cassandra, no. Nah. Like, I, do I hope there's not, like, a Cassandra in the room right now that's like, what? I'm so awesome. <laughs> uh, you are. It's figurative, right? Like, guys want to be able to hang out. They want to be best friends with their girl. So, really, one of the first things that they notice is, is she chill? Can I hang out with her? Are we going to be friends? That means a lot to guys. Um, here's a couple things really, really quick, and I'll pass it to Amber. Here's things that he does not notice or he notices, and it's annoying. All right? <laughs> Number one, blatantly attention-seeking. Oh my, oh, my God, girl, I know. <laughs> You think you're cute, but you're achieving the exact opposite of what you want to achieve. Because guys like Kai are gonna be like, God, shut up. Nobody laughs like that. Yeah, you uh, blate being a girl, yeah, you know, oh my gosh, look, a table, I'm gonna dance on it. Like, no. No, guys are like
1: (laughs) that (laughs) happens.
0: He only enjoys that when you're standing on it and dancing and trying to get attention and then it falls out from under you and you eat it and you're like, yeah. Oh my gosh, she hurt herself. That's hilarious. Like, guys are not into blatant attention-sinking. Like, you think you're being cute, but you're not. Like, straight up, I'm sorry, you're being annoying. No dude's gonna go after that, all right? They don't like that. Sketchy dressed, look, sketchy... Dressing sketchy doesn't make you stand out. It makes you blend in. Nobody's noticing you because you, you're every other girl in the world when you're, when you're dressing like that, all right? You're not showing off your unfading beauty. You're showing off your fading beauty. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Sketchy joking. No guy likes a girl who's like, I'm just like all the guys. First, of all, first off, godly guys are going to be like, you shouldn't be joking like that anyways. And second off, like, Stop trying to be like one of the guys. If You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to date and one day marry one of my boys. That's not what this is about, all right? Also, ladies, don't fart. Okay, that's the, I'll leave it at that. <laughs>
2: Hopefully right, that well, helps
0: you, ladies. He had a helps very long-winded
2: answer, which is great. <laughs> a lot of different aspects. Um, but what a godly girl notices about a guy is whether he is if he looks you in the eyes. Uh, that, that's what a godly girl should notice about a guy is when they look her in the eyes. Is he looking to get to know you or to get into your pants?
1: You went there. Come on. That's good. That's but that's good.
2: real. That's good. But that's real. Come on. Uh. Because here's the deal. There are guys out there. There are amazing godly guys out there. But there are some guys that have it so wrong. And they're just looking for what you can give them which is not love it is not what you want that only brings destruction let them get fixed and they can find somebody later because there's redemption god can can show said, them let
0: them get fixed like a, get like fixed. a dog
2: <laughs> oh gosh I got
0: my dog fixed no, no one thought no. that no
2: one thought that <laughs> i didn't mean it like that <laughs> oh gosh you no. messed up youth master no. thought it No, like fixed in the head, let God work on them, cleanse them. Because we we all have our areas of needing to get fixed or whatever. But anyways, yeah, that's the first thing you notice. But um, a scripture I want to bring up just to point out that, you know, we need to mimic the way God loves us. In Ephesians 5, it says this. Mostly what God does is love you. Uh, Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Doesn't that confirm? Look me in the eyes. Don't look for what you can get out of this. Look at how you can get to know me. <laughs> so that, that should be the first thing.
1: That's so good. Did that help anybody? Was that, was that good? Was that, I was fired. I was good. <laughs> Next question, number three. Should women and men be subjective to traditional gender roles in relationships?
0: That's a great question. Um, For anybody in the room who doesn't maybe um, like fully understand like contextually what that means, society culture has kind of given us it's like, hey, this is women's role in a relationship. This is kind of men's role in relationship and you should fall into it. So they're asking essentially, do we have to fall into those traditional gender roles that culture's laid out for us? First, I'd say, I'd be, I'm super curious on what those gender roles would be. And so if you're the one who submitted this question, I'd love to chat, we'd love to chat. about Like, hey, what are those, you know, gender roles that you're referring to? I'll say this, um, and I'm gonna kind of jam through this. So. Keep up with me, so I have a little bit to say about this. Uh, I do like certain traditional relationship things. For example, I do like guys being the initiator. I think in a lot of ways that that's biblical. Not that they have to initiate everything, but I do like guys being the one to ask out the girl. I do like the guy being the one to ask you to prom. I do like the guy at prom picking you up from your house, ladies. You shouldn't be going to his house and picking him up. I do like guys being the one to get on one knee and propose and ask if you're married. So tradition, I do like that stuff. I do like the guys being the one to open the door. I do like the guys being the one to take off his jacket and give it to his girl. I like that. I like that traditional stuff, right? Um, Guys, be gentlemen. Don't let society tell you you shouldn't be a gentleman. Be a gentleman. Chivalry is not dead. Be a gentleman. I do like the idea of a guy being a protector and a provider. You know, I do like those traditional rules. But here's the thing I'll say as well. Every relationship is different. Every single relationship is different. Um, Our uh, brother and sister, um, she's a nurse, and they had kids very, very young, um, like high school young, and she went on and was able to get a college degree and become a nurse while he couldn't. And so he's a stay-at-home dad, and she is the one who goes to work every day. Now, that wouldn't be traditional role, but it's what made sense for them. And I think that that's okay. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. So you don't have to fall into gender roles, but I do believe you have to fall into God's roles and biblical roles. So if I could, really quick, I'm going to talk really fast about the role of a husband and the role of a wife, biblically speaking. Um, write, this, write these verses down, Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 21 to 27. I'm going to read this super quick, Five twenty-one to 27. Here's what it says. And further, submit one another, submit one another, one to another, out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands. Oh, no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. Uh, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husbands, guys, listen up. Uh, for their husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. 25. Guys, listen up again. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He, what did he do? He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed uh, by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Here's the thing. I joke around every once in a while. The reality is, as Amber and I, we submit to each other. There's things I submit to Amber in. There's things Amber submits to me in. But I do believe, um, we do believe that ultimately that the man, the husband, is the head of the household, spiritually speaking. So what does that mean as the head of the household, as the spiritual leader? It means I am the head sacrificer. I am the lead sacrificer. See, because leadership looks different in the church and in the Bible than it does in the world. Being the leader in the world says, you do this, and you listen to me, and you take my orders." Leadership in the Bible is time to sacrifice. I'll sacrifice first, babe. It's my dreams or your dreams. Let's go with your dreams. It's the car that I want or the car that you want. There's a reason why we have two Volkswagens and we have two Boston Terriers. I didn't grow up wanting Volkswagens and Boston Terriers, but we got them. Okay. (laughs) Because when, when it comes okay. time to sacrifice, I say, babe, I'm the, I'm the spiritual leader of this family. I'll sacrifice first. But it also does mean that, um, you know, we make every, every decision we make, we make the decisions together. But once in a while, there comes a time when we're like, we don't know what to do. We don't feel like we're hearing God. And, and we've got the advice, but we still don't know what direction to go. So in that moment... As the husband, as the spiritual leader, I say, Amber, I'm going to make the decision. You submit to the decision that I make. Not because I'm trying to be the leader or the head, like I'm in charge. You know why I do it? The same reason that Christ was the leader of us. So that one day he could present us as his bride spotless and without blemish. Because here's what happens. If I say, Amber, I'm going to be the one to make the decision. You submit to the decision that I make. If I make the wrong decision... I now have to answer for it, but I've protected my bride. So then one day she gets to stand before God and say, I didn't make the wrong decision. I submitted to my husband. I almost see it like an umbrella. I'm the umbrella that keeps amber dry while I endure the storm. You know, I'm saying I'm going to make this decision. So if I make the wrong decision, it's on me and I can present you as my bride. I can present you before God holy unblemished, without wrinkle. So that's really the role of a husband. And that's kind of, I think, when you talk about gender roles, maybe the only sort of gender roles we really get in the Bible. So, Yeah,
2: yeah and I'll just add on to that, um, because all of that is really great, and, and I think it's a good foundation for this question. Um, but I also wanted to have a little bit of a perspective on, um, you know, we're individuals, God has a different story for every person, every couple. And so I think sometimes our culture is like, oh, you should have kids at this point. You should, you know, you you shouldn't have a a dad that stays at home and takes care of the kids like my sister. He takes care of six kids while my sister's working as a nurse. And that's not normal, but it's their normal. And the thing is, is I think sometimes we can compare ourselves to different people and where they're at and what's going on. But we need to follow God's path for our life, not what people say we should follow, not people's path. And so in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. You can be encouraged by other believers. You can be, um, God wants us to do relationship with other people. Um, So you can look at like, oh, hey, they're in this stage of life, or this is going on, and that's great, and I want to be there, or, you know, maybe I want to start that right now. Well, don't stress that. Ask God. Allow God to make your path for you. Because that's the best path you should take, not what people say. Um, I think some, most of the time people are probably trying to, like, push you towards God's path if they're good, godly believers. But sometimes they're, it, it's a distraction. Um, you should walk on the path that God has taken you on. So a little bit of a different perspective. But,
0: no, yeah. That's great. I'm going to hit a
1: couple more, but we're going to hit all these ones really quick. All right? Okay. Cool. All right, let's go. Okay. Already engaged. When is a solid time to marry? It's a confusing
0: question because we're in youth ministry. Already engaged. When is this? You're already engaged. Weird. Okay. Let's really quick. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this question, and I'm going to try to do under one minute. Um, let's address really quick the role and the purpose of engagement. Uh, you don't get engaged because you're dating. You get engaged because you're going to get married. Yeah. Okay. So it's uh, do not get engaged. Here's a couple things. You might want to write some of these down if they stand out to you. Do not get engaged if you aren't ready to put a date on the calendar. Do not get engaged if you can't take care of her. Do not get engaged because it's the cute thing to do. Mm-hmm. Do not get engaged because you love them. Get engaged because you're getting married. Don't get engaged because, oh, man, like, it's so cool that I can call on my fiance. No, 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 don't get engaged because of those reasons. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, it says marriage should be honored. If you jump into engagement flippantly like it's whatever, you're not honoring marriage. You're not saying marriage should be honored so highly. Um, uh, It should be be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. If you're getting engaged randomly for no reason and you're not even going to get married for years and years and years to come, like you are not going to stay pure sexually. Just telling you right now, you're setting yourself up for failure. We were engaged for about two months. That was a quick engagement. Um, but if you are already engaged and maybe it's the right season of life and stuff like that, um, I think engagements should be somewhere between probably four to 10 months. Um, any, any less than that, you're going to stress yourself out like we did. Any more than that, you're setting yourself up for failure. A year, max, max. And that's really only if you're doing like a huge wedding, families coming all over the place. Don't get engaged for two, three, or four years, that doesn't make any sense at all. But don't get engaged unless you're ready to get married. Like, you're ready to put a date on the calendar. Other than that, in my opinion, you're probably not honoring marriage. So,
2: Yeah, and I think just being patient. Um, and obviously, if you're already engaged, its I'm kind of going backwards. Um, but I'm trying to, like, don't, yeah, like Corey said, don't just get engaged because, like, oh, we're engaged now and we're, in love, and you have no plan or no purpose or no direction. Um, not that you don't have—you don't have to have everything perfectly figured out. Because, like I said, Cory and I had a lot to work through, but we were very determined. We're going to do it God's way. God's going to be the center. This relationship is going to honor God. So, like we know, we have our foundation. So, um, be patient.
0: And I had a job.
2: Yes, you had a we job. We had full-time jobs yes.
0: too. So yeah, that we helps. were
2: moved out. Um, and, and we still struggled a lot, but we definitely were moved out, had jobs. There were a handful of things that we had in place. We, you know, would look at our, we looked at our, when we were talking about getting engaged, we're looking at our bank accounts. What, what money do we have right now? Can we, you know, handful of things. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's a huge commitment. It's not like, oh, yay, like, this is great to just tell the world. Like, take it seriously. Take it seriously. Very seriously. So.
1: Seriously. <laughs> seriously. Next question. How do I deal with letting go of a toxic relationship?
0: Ooh. Anyone ever been in a toxic relationship? Ooh, anybody in one boys. right now? Don't raise your hand. Hey. <laughs> um, that's really good. Hey, first off, know this. 1 Corinthians fifteen 33, don't be deceived. All right, so it's kicking off, don't be deceived. That means someone's trying to deceive you. Don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Oh, don't be deceived. You are not going to sit there and hang out with this person who's got terrible morals and you're going to make them better. That's not going to happen. They are going to ruin your good morals. They are going to, to, um, uh, they are going to contradict the lifestyle you're trying to live. So um, I think first you need to uh, realize and settle in your heart um, letting go of the relationship is what's best for you. And it's probably what's best for them as well. When you're a child, you want to eat candy all day, every day. But one day you realize, that's not what's best for me. And then you start making the tough decision of eating, like, broccoli or whatever is healthy. Uh, to eating decent food, right? You, you choose what is healthy because you know. And it just gets worse as you age, all right? Like, um, you make the tough decision. But um, oftentimes, often, not every times, but often, when it comes to toxic relationships, often you have to amputate that relationship, Um, Matthew 5, verse 29 to 30 says, If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body be thrown into hell. Verse 30, And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for for your whole body to go into hell. Is Jesus saying to literally like, gouge your eye out. And co- no, 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 it's hyperbole. He's, he's being exaggerative to make a point. He's saying if something is going to tear you down and lead you in the direction of hell, you need to amputate that thing and cut it off. Often that's what you have to do with toxic relationships. What is toxic? Toxic is poison. Would you drip just one, just a little bit of poison into this water and drink it? Of course not. No way. Then why are you going to let just a little bit of poison into your life? Okay, cut it off.
2: I was thinking of friendships. It's so funny. I'm sure this is probably talking about relationships, but when I was preparing for it, I actually thought of friendships, so that's where I'm going. Um, there's some friendships that you have to cut off. Yeah. Like, you, you cannot be around that person, and you cannot go to those places that they go to. Um, but I think you also need to, there's not one answer to this. Sometimes you have friends that you need to distance yourself from in a loving way, in a godly loving way. Like, hey, like, I don't think we can be like, super tight because we don't have the same foundation you're kind of pulling me away from God um, and you have to kind of balance that a little bit because God will also use you in those relationships to really bring love to those people and maybe even you know they see God in your life and it pulls them in you know so you have to be careful with friendships like that um, because you can be setting a godly example to them in the way that you kind of distance yourself so um, because I think a lot of people in here you a lot of people have dealt with toxic friendships. Um, and there's some friendships you know you just have to cut off. For a, and maybe it's a season. Maybe it's forever. Um, but, but don't be deceived. Yes, don't be deceived. Don't deceive yeah. yourself. Because Proverbs 13:20 says this, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Simple.
0: Go figure.
2: I mean, it's not so simple. I, I understand. But simply don't hang out with fools. It's
0: good. Simply good. Simply no fools. But you hang out with me all the time, babe. (laughs) That
1: was... uh, uh, Just giving her some grace, you know what I mean? (laughs) All right, we're going to head into our last question. Isaac, you can go ahead and head up and start playing the keys. Make it feel smooth. Smooth. (laughs) I make myself laugh. If you say a joke and you laugh, that's what matters. That's what matters. Come on. (laughs) Last question. I live by that. How do you help someone dealing with depression besides just praying for them?
2: Yeah, so um, point them to their personal relationship with God. Only he can bring healing. We are nobody's savior. Um, God sends us and uses us to be a help, to be a support, but we are nobody's savior, and we cannot heal deep wounds. Only God can do that. Encourage them to talk to someone that's ahead of them, not at the same place um, that can really help them Proverbs eleven fourteen says, without wise leadership, a nation falls, and there is safety in many advisors. you know encourage them to meet with someone that's older and a little bit more seasoned with that stuff um, and be sensitive and have a lot of grace for them. you know listen more than you talk First uh, peter four eight says Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. So, yeah, I just think it's such a sensitive thing, um, but I think a lot of people struggle with being people's savior. You are nobody's savior. Only Jesus can heal those inner wounds. He's maybe sent you in their life to be that encouraging, loving, you know, ear for them, um, and that's an awesome friend. Uh, but encourage them to get with God, to get with people that are ahead of them, and just be sensitive and have a lot of grace for them, and have a listening ear.
0: Yeah, I said a similar thing. I said, because um, here's the thing: we all we all have friends who deal with stuff like this. Many of us know um, know people who have attempted or have committed suicide. It's real. It's a it's the second leading cause of death amongst teenagers in America. Um, but I also put don't be don't be a hero, be a cheerleader. You're not their hero, and you're not their savior. If you've, um, We did a series called 13 Reasons Why Not. Um, actually, we have a graphic. I just remember this. We have a, I don't know how that one went out. We have a graphic. Um, it's the 13 Reasons Why list. I think if you have it in there, throw it up while I'm talking. And you might want to take a picture of this list and send it um, to someone who's struggling. Because these are all things that um, I think are great reasons why not to take your life, and they all have a Bible verse connected to them, and I think we all know someone who could do well with reading this, and it might lead them into um, into God's Word and into restoration, but don't be their hero. Be a cheerleader. Um, we did a series called 13 Reasons Why Not in in response to the series 13 Reasons Why. And I watched the series 13 Reasons Why because when we polled our youth group, something like 80% of our students had seen this garbage series that's absolutely trash. So as a big brother and as your pastor, I had to know what my students had seen. And so for research sake, I went and I watched it. And all of season one is this guy named Clay going to this girl named Hannah Baker and this girl Hannah Baker struggling in a real way. By episode one, Hannah Baker is already dead. She had committed suicide and the whole series Is her explaining the 13 people who she is blaming for her suicide. And so um, through the whole story, Clay um, is essentially going to Hannah over and over and over again, saying, you need to come to me. If you're struggling, you need to text me. You need to call me. I'm going to solve it. I'm going to help you. I'm going to fix you. Come to me, 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 come to me. Well, first off, that's really selfish. Second off, he did that, and at the end of the season, she commits suicide. Why? Because Clay was a 16-year-old boy. He was not a therapist. He was not a counselor. I'm not a therapist or a counselor. If you were to come into my office, and if you're struggling with depression, suicidal thoughts, I'd love to sit down with you. I'd love to talk to you. But when you're coming into my office, you're going to sign a piece of paper that states, I understand that this is not professional counseling or therapy. This is biblical instruction and spiritual guidance. So if I, as a 30-year-old pastor, am not trying to be a therapist or a counselor, then as a teenager, you shouldn't either. Young man, you can't fix her. Young lady, you can't fix him. You can, you're, not, you're not their savior, but you could be a great cheerleader. You can do it. I believe in you. I love you. Hey, go talk to them. Come on, if you want, I'll go and I'll, I'll be in the room with you when you have the first conversation. Why don't you talk to your parents? You should talk to your parents. Talk to them. Come on. I'll sit there with you as you talk to them. I'll be right there with you the whole way. You could be a great cheerleader and point them to their healer. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 says, but he, Jesus, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. Here's the truth of the matter, young person. Some of you are struggling with depression. Others of you have said things like, I feel so empty and alone. Others of you have said, like, I feel like there's more to life and I'm just floating through it. You're right. You're right about all of those things. Because we'll always end up at a lonely, dark place. If we try to fill our hearts with everything but a relationship with Jesus. You were created by him and for him to be in relationship with God. Every other relationship will fall short. And some of you know that already because you're sitting in this room having tried to fill your life with all these other things and it didn't work. I'm telling you tonight, as we're talking about relationships through this this series, the best relationship you'll ever be in is with your Savior, Jesus. This is how much he loves you. That 2,000 years ago, he died a brutal and painful death for my sins, for your sins, for our mistakes. He paid the price that we couldn't, all for the chance, just the, just the chance of being in a relationship with you. And there's some of you tonight who's like, wow, then I want that relationship. You're gonna have that opportunity in just a moment. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? I know it's a public setting going long closing down right now. This is it. Gonna be done in two minutes. If you're in this place and that's you, and you would say, Pastor Corey, I want a relationship with Jesus. You're talking about feeling empty. That's me. You're talking about feeling like there's more to life. That's me. Some of you, as soon as, as soon as you said the word depression, you immediately related. Can I tell you, we serve a healing God, a loving God. Some of you are thinking, back to all the relationships you've been in and you're thinking I've made too many mistakes God can't love me he can't forgive me yes he can he will right now he'll absolutely love you forgive you and wash away all of your sins in this moment to top it all off you get a relationship with your savior with God the creator of the universe If that's you tonight, you want that relationship right here, right now. I'm going to ask you to respond in a simple way. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I just want you to lift your hand. Because I believe when we respond on the outside to what's happening on the inside, it solidifies it in our hearts and in our souls. So here we go. This is it. This is your moment. This is your chance. You want that relationship. You want that forgiveness. You want God to come and bring healing into your life. This is your moment. This is your chance. When I get to three, you raise your hand. Don't hesitate. Every head bowed, every eye closed. One, two, three. Right now, all over this place, raise your hand. Anybody else? Hands going up everywhere. Anybody else? That's the best decision you'll ever make with your life. I promise you that. I promise you that. Anybody else? You're ready to step into relationship with God. So awesome, so awesome, so awesome. You can put your hands down. What we're gonna do right now, we're gonna pray, and I'm gonna give you the words. We're a family, so we're gonna pray these words all together. Repeat these simple words right after me, everybody out loud, right together. Say this, say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins, and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you everything. And from this day forward, I'm gonna follow you. Thank you for loving me and thank you for forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we welcome people into God's family right now?